Welcome to the Wood of Work Post podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul from JCR Builds in Liverpool, UK. Uh, please do remember to go give us a like on social media. Also, leave us a review on any platform you let us buy, if it's Spotify, Apple. Once we get to 500 reviews, I will do a worldwide giveaway and I'll make sure it's worth your while. Okay, that's that bit done with. So, today... We have a guest on, as per normal. Today, we have Kevin on. Um, some of you may know Kevin, Kevin Holmes, from Facebook groups such as Woodcraft and Joinery. He is what I like to call a proper old-school joiner. Um, you know, he's, he's even I've been in the trade for 25 years, and he still has forgotten more than I know. It's ridiculous about this that guys know. So, thank you very much for joining us, Kev. And would you just like to give a little of introduction about who you are, where you're from, and then, yeah? Yeah, um, call me Kev, not Kevin. That's my Sunday name. Only my mother called me Kevin. <laughs> um, I'm from Yorkshire, uh, Mexborough originally, live in Bolton now. Um, I've been joining since I was a, a baby, basically. My dad was a joiner, my granddad was a joiner, my uncle Jim was a joiner. Brought up with tools in my hands instead of toys. So, and I'm 60 next, so that's how long I've been in it. Um, Fair few years. If it's made in wood, there's not many things I haven't had a go at. All my hobbies have been around joinery as well, and I've never been away from trade. I've been self-employed since 1989 um, and worked on the world. I was still in primary school. Pardon? I was still in primary school then when you went self-employed. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's quite that's some time ago that is. So uh, yeah, because I've I've noticed on your obviously your social media because I I know you through um, Facebook groups, some of the Facebook groups on that we you know the woodwork type groups. Yeah. And obviously you're workshop based, so like what we call traditionally a bench joiner here yeah. in the UK. Um, it seems to be a bit of a, a dying trade. In that sense, yeah. Um, but I've noticed like a lot of things too that, and it, you know, we have a bit of a, a banter on the groups as always should. But like, you have done quite a few like winding staircases and stuff. I mean, that, that just maths pickles me. Ad when you're doing that, a winding. You did like a, a double winder rising. Oh, it was complicated. It's. Um, I never actually learned to do staircases when I did my apprenticeship. Funnily enough. I made one straight staircase for my apprenticeship because most of what we did where I did my apprenticeship were furniture. Um, but because I'd done staircases with my dad and with my granddad when I was a child, it was just a natural progression when people asked me for them. I just worked out how to do it and looked at other people's staircases that were in and just did it from there and learnt myself, basically. And I've done double kite winders and spiral staircases and all lot of it years. And it's I'm one of them believers that if it's joinery, no matter what scale it's on, if you learn it properly, you can do anything in joinery. You know what I mean? A mortise is a mortise and tenon, whether it's an inch big or whether it's ten inches big. You yeah. know, it's just different scales. So it's just applying what you know to what you're actually making at the time. Yeah, I mean, like I noticed as well, I think it was this last week, I'm a bit confused with timing because 
not sleeping very well with knee injuries and what have you. So I lose track of what day is what. But like you were doing, um, you made a door. Because you may not know you were on holiday for a week. And you came up, was it a door? You were doing a door? I did again, two doors, yeah. I, you did it properly with like proper tenon mortises. Yeah, mortises and tenon. Wedge mortises and tenon. I mean, I, I mean, I, I was taught how to do the good old motors and selling in in the workshop properly. Um, but I must admit, it's not something I tend to do. I mean, I don't make I, not that I can't make a door. I don't make doors. It's not the sort of work that I got. Yeah. But the thing is, now these days we've got all these other tools that, yeah, they are great and they do make our life easier. Um, you know, things like the Domino, and the Lamello. Yeah. Um, because obviously. We, it's funny, you know. Obviously, you, you never had them back in day. Um, you know what I mean? They're, they're, we didn't even have job sales, mate. <laughs> <It's>, no one, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I say, I always bring it up. It's quite funny because we were talking to one of the um, younger lads, like the, the younger generation for me again, uh, over one of the uh, New Zealand lads, it was. And we were talking about obviously because they do a lot of um, stuff framing, don't they? For, like all the houses yeah. are wooden timber frames. And we were talking about nail guns, like, dude, we didn't have nail guns. Well, what do you use? I went and I picked round the pitch my hammer. Went, this is what we had, mate. I mean, I was a qualified joiner before pass loads came, <coughs> pass loads nail guns come out. And like now, you get the lads on site, um, so not always on site, but they come in like, and the apprentice he wanted to jump on using a little handheld router to cut out his door, his hinges on the doors. Yeah, I was like, nah, man, he said, you can do it by hand. He's like, what? I said, until you can show me you can cut it out by hand, you're not using the router. I mean, yeah. they were outdoors, so I mean, I always use router, but they, they're not taught how to do it with the chisels, are they, and these days? No, I think, but the problem is the skills are dying out now. We're getting so reliant on machinery. It's like CNCs are taking mm. over everything, you know, for cutting things and things like that. And it, it's the old skills are actually doing it yourself for dying out. My first staircase that I ever made uh, I cut the housings with an hammer and chisel and an hand router. I didn't have an electric router then. They weren't out until later on mm. when I actually went self-employed, you know. I mean, I went to America way back in 80s and I were absolutely astounded at the tools they'd got there compared to what we'd got here. And I bought a load of tools over there and had them shipped back because we hadn't got nail guns. Mm. Um, we hadn't even got air pinners in this country you know it was you couldn't get on them chop saws with no chop saws everything i basically had one blanket chest of tools and that i were doing everything i needed to do in workshop with that one blanket chest of tools and it was that the blanket because quite often we were as an apprentice we were one of the things you'd always learn one of the first things you'd ever make was your own toolbox didn't you, you used to make your toolbox yeah. beside yeah um you don't do that. I mean, we were always, what was it? We made made a tool, but saw horses. That was the old thing. Yeah. We taught how to make a saw horse straight away. And well, the kids, they don't know these days, do they? Well, that used to be the first thing you'd make when you went on site. Yeah. Because every site you went on, first thing Gaffer used to say to you, well, get a saw horse, mate. And then he'd come mm. over and have a look at your saw horse. And if it were a bag of crap, he'd kick you off at sight. Yeah. And that we used to make a own like little... Um, Nail carry holders, yeah, like a little tote, like a little tote box with all the little dividers in. Yeah, and everybody had a nail think, box, mate. I think I've still got mine, you know. So I think mine's in the loft, so kept it. Yeah, it was a bad shit, and it was um, you know, the first one I made. 
but those sort of things that you know they're just not taught and like as you say like it's not that i mean i'm all for one for doing things the easy way don't get me wrong yeah but when it comes to traditional joinery there's not i mean when i go to clients today i went to some clients today um, and again oh can you do this well, of course i can and they're like because i'm just thinking it's just a traditional bit of whatever you know some doors and what you know like shaker doors and what have you and some yeah. paneling like proper wainscoting like proper yeah. paneling because it's not a nice big post house so they want it done proper none of this just bit of beading stuck on the wall rubbish like proper wind like, yeah i'll do all that it's just traditional joinery and so i'll get out the reference books because i've got one of the victorian i think it's called like the victorian modern guide or something it's just a reference book of all different types of covings and yeah they, no, no one else have anymore do they they just don't what is tradition I mean, traditional joining i mean to me it's not for the sort of stuff you're making in the workshop like bench joining like you make is an art um yeah but when i actually learned it in my apprenticeship it it, it was just bog standard joinery mate that was the norm everybody had wooden windows everybody had wooden doors you know if you wanted to put skirting on it there were no roll plugs it all had to be pegged out same way door frames yeah um, and I, I hate it when i go but and i go into some of these old houses now trying to get the old skating board off or an, yeah. old, or an old door casing you can you spend a week trying to get it out because they're, like <laughs> they're all wedged in proper aren't they got lost head nails yeah. and you know now it's a bit of expanding foam with a few pins and that's all we need to do isn't it? bits of kit you had in your tool bag when you went on site were your axe because you cut every wooden peg with your axe and braid it into a wall and then sawed it off at whatever level you wanted it at and it worked you know mm. it's but uh i mean it's changed so much like it just in the time i've been in i mean i remember when yankee screwdrivers came out oh the yankee was, yeah yeah we were all like whoa yankee screwdrivers how fast are these you know but then when um the first rechargeable drills came out and they got the old makita 9.6s yeah i was gonna say they were eight, i thought they were eight yeah they were, they were like the skinny handle ones weren't they that skinny handle yeah 9.6 like a tv, six, like a TV remote almost won't it the handle yeah but i mean up to that point i used to put screws into doors with my brace mm. um, i actually had a screwdriver bit that used to fit in my brace and bit yeah. um and they I were mean, all driven in because we're all slot heads phillips weren't out there no posies yeah no we didn't i, I have used uh bracing bit and obviously yankees but that was more <clears throat> when i say doing woodwork as a child with like my dad and my granddad yeah um because as you say so at least my generation we had the cordlesses on site straight away yeah um i've always had cordlesses available yeah but you know as you say it's a lot of it as well that i know some of the things we talk about on the groups and stuff is jigs yeah. now i'm a big fan of a jig and or a weird so a jig is anything that you can use to make something repeatable yeah. and make it repeatable and it's the same every single time or sometimes it could also be an item that would say hold a sander at 90 degrees so it's for adapting a tool or making a repeatable item and these are what yeah. jigs are now i've just explained that because obviously some of the people don't understand what jigs are the only jig they know is the trend in 
door jig for doing uh, hinges and door frames. Um, you see, I've had a, a, a jig for door hinges for years, but we never bought them. We always just made us own. Hmm. I used you to make a scrap of MDF with the router, uh, chop it out about yeah. whatever, and then use my little trim router with a 16 mil bushing. That, I mean, right. I, I have got a trend one now because, you know, they are aluminium the quality type things, you know. Because the MDF yeah. one, they, they just get battered, don't they? But yeah, yeah, they, they don't seem to understand the importance the younger generation joiners and woodworkers as a, a general umbrella of a good jig. Well, even in hand tools, I mean, um, things like a shooting board. Mm. for a plane and things like that is still just a jig it's to adapt one tool to do a different jug precisely yeah and so you know even from basic hand tools we've always had mitre blocks and things like that that again is just another form of jig so I never thought whatever about... you're making to yeah. make a repeatable cut easy that's your jig work mm. So well, I, yeah, um, I never thought I never thought of a mounter box being a jig. You know, I've just seen it as always being a mounter box. Yeah, it's a but jig. It's a which, jig. Yeah, but it's just something to make make things easier. I mean, um, when they started introducing power onto sites, when we were doing first fixes on sites and second fix, um, round about my twenties, everybody started to get handheld circular saws then. Mm. So you made yourself a jig for cutting the mitres on the skirtings with handheld circular, mm. you know, for running your cross cuts off and that. And we hadn't got chop saws, so your next stage were uh, a wooden mitre box for your circular saw to run in. I've actually made one for me here, punch saw, where I've got an old bit of rail because obviously with the, one of the things I had a, a nice big kickback and I put a, a nice big line through the middle of each track so it was dead because it was right in the yeah. middle as well so i think i made like a, a 600 and then the other bit so i've got a bit of rail maybe about maybe about 300 long and i basically yeah. just screwed that on top of a two bits of two b two b one with a plywood base so yeah. plywood and two uprights with a track on the top and that has just turned the plunge saw as a that's a little cross cut slide effectively so i could do small trims yeah so, and you could also do one for doing 45s in like for doing um, mitres for your architraves or you know, anything. Um, well, and it's just brilliant. Look, so, gotta, gotta love a jig. If you, if you think a, a little bit outside the box, I mean, up until about four years ago, I never owned a dovetailing jig, I've always made my own from scratch. Yeah. Um, once you've got a dovetail cutter for your router, that it's just a case of setting up your own comb. Um, same with um, box joints and things like that. I've always made my own jigs, never had a bought jig. It's no, but that's just what we did back in the day. If you, you couldn't afford a tool or buy a tool, you made your own. Yeah, because a lot of the box joints are done these days with. Um, Effectively, the cross-cut sleds on a table saw. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, in America, they tend to use the dado stack. That's which, what I do now. Aye. But, you see, we don't have a lot of dado stacks in the UK, do we, because of cheaper regulations. It's got to be 
there's only a handful of souls that are capable of taking a Dado stack safely, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, but you see, that's health and safety gone mad because... Oh, yeah, I agree. I bought my Dado stack 40 years ago and I've still got the same Dado stack that I bought 40 years ago and it used to fit any saw at the time. Um, but they went all crackers of it guarding and things, but it's no more dangerous than a circular saw blade in wrong hands. I must you admit, know. they are one of the tools that sort of like, I think it's because, because it's something I never use because they're not about. The dado sacks do sort of like worry me a little bit just because. I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but yeah, I, I just don't feel comfortable with it. But I think that's because after spending 25 years in, you know, doing it. Yeah. To bring a new tool into something it's not like it's a brand new tool like the lamello coming out it's just an adaptation of a tool i've been using the entire career but, i mean there are spindle molders out there with ring fences and french heads on them that are way more dangerous than oh that's the other tool that scares the shit out of me as a spindle um <laughs> you know what i mean i'll use a rattle table don't get me wrong i'll use a rattle table all day long I know a spindle, it's just basically a big router table, isn't it? Effectively. Yeah. But no, the spindle molders, they scare the absolute shite out of me. Um, so, yeah, that is one that I'm not using because I know because I'm not scared of it. I know that, I know they're not, they're not dangerous per se. Um, with our edit tool, it's all about how respect, you do. You've got to show any tool respect yeah. because any power tool at all. It don't distinguish between timber and fingers. No. And if you're not careful, then you're going to have yourself, you know. I mean, I see people do some stupid things with table saws, you know, mm. and supposedly they're all safe now, but they're not in the hands of an idiot. I mean, I've nearly lost a few fingers several times, don't get me wrong, because and every single time it has been my error by doing something, I'm not saying something stupid, but by not treating the tool correctly or doing something correctly. It's yeah. always been my fault. It's never been the tool that's failed. It's always been my failure that's caused the, the issue. This is one of the problems that I've got with YouTube at the minute. There's so many videos going up on YouTube of people doing things. And I don't know if you've seen the one that's going around at the minute, people cutting circles on a table saw. Oh, I've seen, I've seen, there was one one with him, oh, it was a last Sonic once it, there was got quite a lot of views, where it, she was lucky she didn't lose her head. Yeah, exactly, I mean, that's an accident waiting to happen. Mm. I watched one a few weeks ago, where a bloke was telling people the way to cut work surfaces without getting chips on surface what to cut it with an handheld circular saw and actually saw backwards instead of forwards. Okay. And, you know, if that climbs, if you haven't got a good hold on that saw, you're going to have that in your chest. I can't think of anything more stupid than... I mean, the way of doing it with a circular saw, because again, we didn't... <clears throat> I think, well, I saw plunge saws one of the very early, I think it was, was it the 80, 60, I think we had this conversation on social, but I think it was, it was the 80, 55 or something were the very, very first festival ones, one source. Yeah. And that was 20, 
20 odd year ago, I think. It's longer than that, mate. About 25. But anyway. Real saws, I had one about 34 years ago. Um, but I that were a standard circular on a rail, though. So Yeah, I'm talking about plunge saws themselves. Because the thing was with a circular, the way you obviously create circular on site, you cut from the. If you want a clean face of a, say, a laminate kitchen worktop, you turn it over and you cut from the back. Yeah. Because the reverse side of whatever you're cutting is the clean because it's the way the teeth, the teeth spinning, cut upwards. Yes, the way the teeth yeah. is spinning, it then gives the thing. So with a plunge saw, because effectively the blade is running in the opposite direction to that of a circular saw, that is why you would cut it with the good side faced up. Um, people just can't get their hands up. People just don't get their heads around this sort of thing and they come up with these stupid ideas of running the saw backwards. But no! Don't do that. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's one of the worst things I've ever... But, again, the problem is, if it goes to one of these channels where they have a lot of hits and a lot of things, you know, a lot of following, and if they say it, someone's going to believe them. Yeah, they're going to a take it A lot of people believe them. Because, oh, it's, you know, one of the... I'm not going to use any names because obviously I don't want to badmouth any, any YouTubers type thing because of, you know liable and all that but if someone really famous said oh do this with you know they've got like a million followers well they're gonna do it thinking that's right exactly. and it's like no that's dangerous that's wrong yeah i mean and then us little guys that only got a couple of thousand subscribers thousand subscribers they are you don't know what you're talking about well, no i've got 25 year exp i mean it's nothing compared to you you're, you're um expertise you know within the joinery field but people say are oh, you talking rubbish like i've got 25 years experience pal and i'm not always right don't get me wrong but i know about a lot of things yeah i mean a good example was the you know the old unseed oil rags how yeah. they can self-combust and people are saying are oh, you talking rubbish because i've always said on day one since all my videos because i've been doing it for about only done it for just over a year now Always dry your rags out properly or give them a good soaking or whatever because when sealed, we'll self cover or we won't do. I'm like, so all those painters' vans that you see or joining vans you see outside the road burning out when you go to work in the morning, that's because they've left rags in the back yeah. of the van all scrumpled up. And it was only when Bob and Moth recently did a video. So we took about it up and you've seen the video. It's a really good video, actually. Um, I'll leave a link in the description down below so everyone else can go and give that a watch at a later time. But basically, he did like four different finishes. Then he took some that were really scrumpled up with a load of waste, and some just on the road. And yeah. he had like a grid of, and every single linseed based product that he tried, and every scenario eventually caught fire. Yeah. Every single one. And it was because he did this video, because I think it was Boston Lighthouse. They caught it on film. So they were obviously in Boston. And uh, he put some rags in his bin, not thinking. Didn't put the bin out of them to thingy, and this CCTV caught the shop fire, which luckily alerted someone. So it they got the, the shop out before it was, you know, obliterated. Yeah. But people, because because it isn't some of the one of the big followers, you know, they've got a big following. Sorry, they, they don't they don't listen. They just made that. You know what I mean? I mean. It's... They naturally presume that the people with the big followings are the people with the knowledge, and it doesn't always work that way. 
because um, a lot of them, and no disrespect to a lot of the people, because you know, again, doesn't you don't have to have twenty years' experience to know what you're doing or be able to create good pieces of work. Yeah. Um. Because there's some people out there that create some amazing, amazing pieces with only a handful of years worth of work. So it's not that they don't know what they're talking about. They just haven't got. I mean, some of the stuff I don't know half the stuff you know because obviously. It's all about how you taught as well, isn't it? And what you brought yeah. up with throughout your trade. And we see things differently, don't we? So if we're given a problem, say with the staircase again, we're going to approach that totally differently, aren't we? Because, I mean, I just go to Starbucks and order one, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I recently had a lad um, ring me up and say, what software do I use to work out my staircases? And it's like, what? Yeah. What do you mean software? Well, what computer program do you use to work out your staircases? Well, I use a pencil and paper, mate, oh. and add it up, you know. it's uh, I couldn't use software for life for me to work so, out a staircase. No, but so even with this, so it was interesting because I was saying, I, I just missed the start, excuse me, nearly missed the start of this uh, little call there because... I'd sent Kev the link a bit early, so I was actually on SketchUp doing a quick drawing. And I can do drawings quite well for, like, giving um, clients a perception of, say, like a media wall or built-in wardrobes would look like. Yeah. But do you know when it actually comes to working out the uh, cut list for the thing? I don't use the extension on SketchUp. I get out a bit of pen and paper, and I work it all out on paper. So I have, like, stacks of paper, and every, every client has their own folder. So I keep all the workings out and all the sketches. Because I always do a little bit of a sketch while I'm at the clients. Oh, this you know, this sort of thing you want. I mean, it looks like a two-year-old's done it. Don't get me wrong. And that's why I have to do the computer version so they can see yeah. the the envisage what it looks like as a finished item. But I don't think you can beat pen and paper for workings out and doing your drawings. I think experience is down to a lot of it, and although because. People have said to me in the past, where do you get your plans from for your furniture? And I've never ever used a plan for my furniture in my life. I work out my outside sizes and I know in my own head how it all goes together because yeah. I've made so much of it. So most of the time I don't even have to think about it before I start anything. You know, it's just, well, that's that joint, that's that joint, I'm using that joint there. So you know already what it is you need to do. We aren't actually drawing any plans or planning anything yeah. out. If I've got outside sizes, that's that's all mm. I need, basically, and a, a vision of what I want at the end. Yeah, because I've just started doing like a little mud bench for um, a client, and I've got some of the bits all done. And as you say, I, I had a very rough sketch. Like, and it was a very rough sketch. Yeah. And then... So all that ought to work out was how big the seating size was, so I can work out how got some two little drop down doors that she used yeah. in it. So I had to work out that. So I just wrote, well, I know that the outside pond's going to be fifty four because I'm doing like a big chunky outside, and then I know that's going to be this. So that leaves me like nine seven six, and then I cut down all the sheet material from numbers in the ad. Yeah. Because I know exactly how I'm going to join it. I mean, I am going to use the lamello. Don't get me wrong. For just easy ease of use because it means i can have everything painted in and then i'll take it to site and go click click clop clip and it's in place and it's strong 
Um, and it, you know, it, it, that's what Lamello exceeds, you know, excels at. Yeah. That sort of um, that type of fitted furniture. But yeah, I, I don't. But that is actually <coughs> obviously being a totally different generation to the younger ones. Because obviously they brought up a lot more on um, computer software and computers to what we were for sure. Yeah. Um. So I mean, even though I do use SketchUp and I use several different programs for all my three D printing and CNCing and all that, I have a right struggle I do trying to work it out. I mean, I'll spend hours trying to work out how to print something simple, you know, just to get like a simple file. And all it is, I just need to do a click, click, and then it would have been done. Yeah. So maybe it's just the fact of it. Generation, I mean, obviously, you didn't, you didn't have internet back when you were doing your apprenticeship, you know what I mean? I didn't either, did I? Yes, I did actually, we had dial-up. We had the beep, beep, boop, dial-up internet that took about three weeks to connect. Then all you got was about 30 pop-ups with the birds with the, the tits out. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't have, that wasn't, we, you know, if we got like, I mean, I used to use graph paper quite a lot as well to help me with the actual, Yeah. Um, trying to draw, you know, like 3D perspective. Yeah. Because I really struggle at trying to get that right without. I mean, I use a dotted notepad now. I've got a notepad with all dots on, and I use that to get my angles. Yeah. Um, just so I could actually not look like a two-year-old's drawn when I show a client. I think in every generation, though, it moves on. It's like I was quite lucky that I learned feet and inches as well as metric. Mm. So I work in both. Yeah, but that was just transitioning over when I started learning woodwork. So it's very easy for me to work from both things. The next generation then have gone learning woodwork, but also learning computers. So it's very easy for them to, to work yeah. over onto CNCs and things. Yeah. I People keep saying to me, get a CNC, get a CNC. I just don't think in that way that computers are. Yeah. The last laptop I had hit the wall at great speed because I got <laughs> so frustrated with it. Um, I'll make you a jig for lettering. I'll make you a pantograph for engraving onto timber. I'll make you a copy carver jig. But thinking yeah. in computers, that it just doesn't uh, work for me. I mean... I was brought up very much on metric for sure but because when i was doing the apprenticeship i was taught by a proper old school joiners so of course they're all feet feet and inches still yeah. so they would teach me in feet inches and all that so i learned that side from them but of course then i'm still using metric because that's what i use so i'll quite happily use metric uh, imperial sorry for doing something but sometimes when doing setting out, I'll struggle trying to work out the fractions of the you know, the sixteenths off the eighths and stuff like that. I can get yeah. a little bit. Sometimes I can get a little bit. So you know, especially if they have to split, like say, fifty-eight inches and I don't know, seven sixteenths into four spaces. I can then it starts. I have to get that in metric and do it in metric. Yeah. So I, I will use, but but if I get a tape and I. Because I have got a lot of my tapes metric only, but I have got obviously got tape, traditional tapes with inches on one side and metric on the other. I'll, whichever way, 
the tape is up and going to give me the best mark, mark or the, the best... Then you're working it. That's what I do. That's what I'll use. So even when I'm making a piece, I'll be making a piece with both units of measurements at the same time. It's only when you've got to sort of, I think, when you're trying to do like an inside measurement of like you've got it out, you know, your overall dimension, you're taking off your 18 mil and your 18 mil because it's 18 mil material. You can't take off three quarter because that's 19 mil. Because yeah. sheet material used to be three quarter, didn't it? But, but you estimating, estimating is way easier in feet and inches. Yeah. When, when you see somebody walking down the street and he's tall, you don't think, oh, he's 1.83, you know. Six foot. You think he's six foot. He's six right. foot two. He's six foot. And yeah. I, I still estimate even in small measurements in three eighths, half inch, uh, three quarters, seven eighths. So I find it way easier to estimate in inches than what I do. Um, I do a bit of both. If it's sort of, as you say, if it's someone, I'd guess, I'd guess high of a person in, in feet and inches. I won't go match Kevin. Yeah. But if I'm looking at something, I go, oh, that's about 300 that or 320 that. So I would probably guess, in, I'd probably guess in metric, I think. I think that'd be my go-to, because... It was so funny when they brought in the metric system. I would go to the timber merchants, and you'd say, oh, I want a six-foot or two-by-two. Two. Yeah. And they'd say, oh, it's not two-by-two two now. It's 45 by 45. And it's 1.8. And you'd say, well, how much is that? Well, it's 16 pence a foot. Yeah. And even now when you buy hardwoods, it's in cubic feet. Yes, cubic feet, aye. But then again, a sheet, aye, is an eight, you buy an eight foot sheet. You don't yeah. buy a twenty four hundred sheet. So a metric sheet will be twenty four hundred, right? An eight yeah. foot sheet is twenty four twenty. Yeah. Yeah, twenty twenty four forty, isn't it? So you might eight foot. Uh, 2440, isn't it? Yeah, 2440 12, by 1220. Yeah, 1220. But it's not a metric sheet, it's 1200 by. And even sometimes when you order a sheet, you order a metric sheet of 24 by 1200, you actually get an eight foot sheet. Yeah. So you're like, it's because they've not, in the UK, we've not transitioned over fully. We, we no, but you do us, they're still sold in 27s. I was going to say, because the door behind you, that's the one that gets me every time. So, because we did go through a stage, though, in the 90s of putting metric doors in. So, a metric door, is it 2040 by 7? It's a weird size. Hello, dog. Yeah. <laughs> down, buddy. Oh, needs a cuddle. But, yeah, it's, so, it was 2040 by, I think it was 726. Seven, it was a weird size anyway. Definitely 2040. Whereas... They got scrapped all the metric doors dead quickly yeah. and we're back to imperial doors now they do yeah, say six, it's, a seven, six, six, two, six, and... it's a seven six it's a seven six two door by 1981 no 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 all they've done is transferred the imperial messages <laughs> they are imperial doors yeah <laughs> because but yeah i've never understood how some things are you know i've got this i think it was when we were talking to the, the um regan from the good rule in New Zealand, we're having that conversation about how we're just so fucked up as, as, a, as a country and measurements. It's unreal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. I know. But yeah, but... It's, it's interesting because, well, because you say, go back to the traditional drawing, you're like, because obviously windows 
used to be very much wooden, but not anymore generally, they tend to be UPVC. Yeah. And of course, we had the um, Brain Fizz on as well, who specialises in like sash windows restoration. Yeah. Because obviously sash window is something, it's a lot more complicated because of the pulley mechanism and the weighting mechanism for than a normal window. But they've become very much because of the way journey is changing. They've become very much a specialisation within themselves, haven't they now? With... Yeah, but I mean, the only time I'm making wooden windows now, most of the time, is for listed buildings. Mm. Um, but back in day, when I first went self-employed, that's what I went self-employed doing, making wooden window frames and door frames from my own garage. Um, because there were, you know... A big calling for it at the time. Well, what doesn't last very long as a wind. Well, they do hard ones to do these. But as you say, because Brain Fizz was saying as well, um, yeah, because a lot of his work is created, created in listed buildings because obviously you then haven't used like like for like in it. Yeah. But yeah, it's just I mean, making a window and making doors and it, it's such an art form with the beading and the, and the joins. But and, it, it's not. That's what our class is basic genre. But again, maybe that's the generation thing because obviously, I don't know. Have I ever made, I've made door, I have made doors. I've made plenty of doors over years, like proper hardwood oak doors and all that. Yeah. Um. I don't think I've ever made a window ever. I don't think I've ever made one. And they were my bread and butter when I was a young man. Um, hundreds on them, one after other. You know. Um. But, I mean, it's like, I've had a few other joiners into workshop lately. One of them had just done three years at college learning bench joinery. And the first thing he said to me was, before we start, because he came to me to learn staircases, hmm. he says, can you learn me how to sharpen my chisels? You are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I said, what? What do you mean, learn to sharpen your chisels? He's done three years at college and nobody's ever taught him how to sharpen his chisels. That's bad. That's bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was something that I've never been great at sharpening chisels. It's been one of my, it was one of my um, lesser skills. I always pass them off to someone else to do. Yeah. So I did decide a while ago, though, that it was like, you know what? It's one of these things. I need to learn how to do it properly because it is a skill that you need 100% as a joiner. Yeah. So I've got a set of Norex, a set of backhoes, and a set of um, marbles, the proper Sheffield steel ones. Mm. And I bought some new Japanese water stones, and I hand ground up all three sets of chisels back. It took me four days. Yeah. So I actually ground them back first by hand, and then I gave them the set, and then I polished them all up and gave them a secondary bevel. I did all that with Japanese water stones by hand. My arms and back and that were hanging off it took me four days to do three sets <laughs> but the thing is now i can happily say i can sharpen the chisel properly yeah but i mean back in there we didn't even use like an owning guide or anything like that no. you were just taught to sharpen them properly from off and it's something you learn through doing because you are doing it every yeah. other day you know on your chisels that you used a lot um, I mean, I have an inch and a quarter chisel, which were always my inch chisel when you went on site. It's down to about inch and a half long 
That's got to be Sheffield Steel, that one, for sure. There's no other way that that's going to be one of the new type chisels. Cause it that, it that, is an old marbles. It's yeah. uh, had a lot of use, mate. But that's crazy. It, it's just one of the... It's like Ansars. The Ansars we had, you had to sharpen every fortnight. Oh, you had to set the teeth, didn't you? It was everything. Yeah. But when you get good at it, when you're doing it at once a fortnight or once a week... It takes 15 minutes. I was shown how to set a saw once. It's not something I've ever done because it's not the sort of saws I use, so I've never had the need. But yeah, it's because obviously one of the joiners that was teaching me um, was still had his proper, you know, his old school tool, uh, tool, so to speak. So that's what he did. So he showed me because obviously that's how, um, that's what you do, isn't it? It's part, it's part of your sort of like weekly maintenance, wasn't it? Yeah. Sharp with the chisels. But I mean, I must admit though, every time now I um, need to use a chisel for a bit of work, I grab out the water stone, give it a quick tickle every single time. It takes seconds. And exactly. Nice and, and they're nice and sharp. They're like proper going to take your fingers off. Sharp. That's the thing. Stay on top of them. Keep them sharp all the time. If you learn spend get... four days like I did with <laughs> the whole set. <laughs> well, if you get learn them, get... I understand that you can't always do that when you're on site. There's times no. when you're you hit nails, you hit pins, you'll chip your chisels. Oh, no, yeah. Then it's just, you know, I've got an electric water stone in workshop that I'll use for that. Mm. But it never gets used now because I'm at workshop all the time, so it's always green timber I'm working on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would get, I'm... I would get like a tarmac or a record one myself now if I needed one. But at yeah. the time, because I very nearly bought one because I had three sets of chisels, but I thought no, because. Like when I teach the apprentice when he when he, he's not as qualified. But I say when when he used to come, I made him chop out a hinge by hand rather than using the router first. And I thought I've got to lead by example here. Because if he came to me, I'd make him do it by hand. Yeah. So I need to pre I need to do what I preach. So that's but, why I did it, because I can't tell someone to do the, the proper old fashioned do it by hand and then I wouldn't do that myself. This is another one that winds me up a lot actually on internet at minute there's all these sharpening videos out there and there's some fantastic sharpening videos don't get me wrong but they're all using like eight thousand grit water stones and twelve thousand grit and for general joinery you don't need to go any deeper than a thousand grit Can't you know i've got a double-sided water stone yeah um i can't remember what that oh, i've got two water stones actually to be honest but yeah, that stuff is for your super fine, um, like intricate, like really intricate yeah. stuff, isn't it? Not your cutting out of 10 of the mortars or... Basic your, joinery, a thousand grit is more than uh, enough. You know as what long I mean? as you've got a nice, As long as you've got your nice sharp primary, a, a yeah. good, sorry, good primary and a nice sharp secondary bevel, that's all you need, isn't it? But if you sharpen it up any more than that, after one joint... It's going to need sharpening again because you're yeah. going to lose that finer edge. Yeah, because you've just basically worn it off, haven't you, straight away? Yeah, but you see, back in there, we had two sets of chisels as well. Mm. Um, you had one set that were for softwoods, ground to about 25, and one set that were for hardwoods, ground to 30 yeah. degrees. Well, what I've, got, I've got the backhoes for site work, so to speak. So even doing something, it doesn't matter. Well, and the marbles there for site as well. But the backhoes for more of that rough stuff. Marples are for like doing doors and stuff, and then the Norex stay in the workshop. Yeah. 
because you know you, you look after got to look after your tools haven't you as well I'm afraid I've got a bit of a chisel fetish. I've got hundreds and hundreds of chisels. Oh, another one, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I think what's the nice Japanese ones, to be honest, like, you know, like proper, proper nice Japanese. I mean, um, they're like hundreds and hundreds for a set, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? I but, have got a set of Japanese chisels, and for every work, they're absolutely fantastic. But for finer paring and things like that, you can't beat some English chisels, you know. No, but I just want a Japanese set because they're pretty. <laughs> So but that's another one. You see, people going crackers for Japanese saws, and they don't. I do. Cook. I do like the pull saws though. For the sort of stuff yeah. I do, they're ideal. They're great, but they're not very good on a lot of English hardwoods. You know, if you were ripping down a grain on European oak or oak like that. See, I only use them for the. I use them for the finer stuff in the workshop, and that's it. I don't use them for anything yeah. like that because you say you need one of the big um for them you need the big ones that are enormous <laughs> not one of the little pulse saws you need one of the big ones it's the size of a football field they're a massive <laughs> they're really cool though. but yeah i do like the japanese tools just i think it's because it's something different i don't I, i'm not saying the the better than our tools but as you say you can't beat Sheff proper sheffield steel for well, chisels best in the world i've got a, a slack and sellers um dovetail saw which I've had for a fair bit of time, you know what I mean? And it's a cracking saw. I wouldn't want to cut dovetails with old else other than that. I've done them with Japanese saws, but you just get so used to using one saw mm. and cutting accurately with that saw. And I think that's the thing. It's repetition, it's repetition, repetition. And your hands learn your head instead of your head learning your hands. Yeah, I think that as well with doing, I mean, again, dovetails, something else I want to do coming up this year, actually, because uh, I've not done for such a long time. But when using um, a Japanese, because it's a pull saw, you're very much used to using the old-style dovetails, which obviously are effectively push saws. And yeah. the other thing I found with the Japanese pull saws is they can be quite a lot of flexible, quite flexible at times. Yeah. Which, again, then, if that's going to deviate off as you're cutting down, that makes your dovetail either loose or too. It's not so bad. Yeah, it's you tight, can't straighten it up with a Japanese pull saw. No, that's it. Because it's all right if it's a bit tight because you just pile it down, can't you, with a chisel? Yeah. And get it right. But if it's got a bit off, you've got a shy joint. But this is one of the things when we learned dovetails back in the day, you learned to put them together straight from saw. Mm. We are paring, apart from bottoms. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's worth so, it. I don't think they teach dovetails anyway, do they? Accurate sawing were a, a must. Hmm. And the few people that I've had in coming to learn dovetailing in workshop, that's the thing they always fail on. Because they think they can pick a saw and just saw straight, and it takes time, practice, and patience. Oh, I mean, yeah, even just using a panel saw to cut a bit of 4 straight. Yeah. People think. I mean, I can do it. I can pick one up and just cut it perfectly square just by eyeing it. But that's just experience. And by cutting God knows how many million pieces of wood over the years. But, I mean, I'd never do that for as a finished thing. I'd always, I'd always set it up properly and square it and all that. But, yeah, people, you'll, you'll get like, oh, I can cut it perfectly straight. And you're like, you know, it's like a 45-degree angle in every direction. Like, now, nah, man, what you've just cut there is a compound mitre. But, you see, this is another thing. Back when I did my apprenticeship, you would never pick up another man's saw. Oh. 
because it bends to how you cut with it. Mm. So you could cut straight with it, but somebody else picks it up, they would be knocking it off of the way you cut. So it's all these sort of things that we just don't think about sometimes because obviously it's not the way that we think these days or the way we're taught. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the reason I wanted to get you on, as I say, because, you know, I, I see you very much as a proper old school joiner. Mm. Um, and that's you know, very much a compliment. It's not, you know, people, some people think it's a bit of a fucking rude thing to say, but it's not. It's very much a compliment in the way I'm thinking it because to me, to do things like the things you're doing with hand tools in the traditional way takes an immense amount of skill, especially to knock out the quality that you, you knock out. And, you know, people need to certainly, or I would hope that they would maybe learn or just try something new there's a new i think it's the new rockler channel this year rockler challenge this year try something new go and get yourself a nice dovetail so go and try doing some dovetail joints you've not done before yeah. go and get some chisels do some paring try and make a pantograph you mentioned that i've got a bought one i use a bought one obviously um but you know try something put yourself out your comfort zone i mean if you're on facebook um by all means um because Kevin's very heavily involved. Is it, I think it's your, is it your group? Yeah, it is. Um, the Woodcrafts and Jewelry Group. And I tell you, some great lads on there. Um, some real talent. And if you need some help, just ask a question. And you've got people like Kev that will come along and give you some advice and help you. So, oh, some really yeah. good members on there. Aye, absolutely. So, yeah, please go and check out the group. And obviously, you can ask Kev any questions. And he will most definitely give you a decent answer um we'll wrap it up there thank you ever so much for joining us today kev it's You're been welcome. a pleasure talking to you mate pleasure um, talking to you, buddy. all right okay everyone um as normal new episode every single saturday 9 a.m gmt time please leave us a review and we shall catch you next time thank you